0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, Tony Pedregon joins the show to talk Topeka and to look forward to Brainerd, Minnesota this week. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. With back-to-back races and a wild late-night finish on Sunday in Topeka, we have plenty to talk about. Bobby Bodie's 74 and he blows the body off the car, going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Heinz bikes are out, and it is crazy town in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Your host Brian Loans here, going to be joined by Tony Pedregon in just a couple of minutes. Kind of a quick turn this week. Back-to-back races, uh, blasted home from uh, Topeka, Kansas, Kansas City Airport on Monday afternoon and uh, shooting back up to Brainerd, Minnesota on Wednesday morning. So a, uh, a short kind of 24-hour turnaround here at the homestead, and we're going to get right back at it up there in Brainerd. But boy, do we have some stuff to talk about from Topeka. And that's uh, really why I'm having Tony on the show to kind of break down what we saw and look ahead to what we should be expecting uh, in this next coming days when we go up to Minnesota. A couple of things to mention before we go down the rabbit hole of the races. Uh, first thing will be we're doing something new this week on Friday, and we are going to do an NHRA Insider Live that you'll be able to watch on NHRA's uh, various new fast channels or you know the the channels like the Roku channel it'll, it'll appear on. Um, I think it's going to be Roku and Tubi and across a, a bunch of those different platforms. And I'll have more information as the week goes on, um, but I want to let you know, you can, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, any of that stuff, I'll, I'll post where you can watch it. But it'll be an NHRA Insider podcast live being made from the pits in Brainerd, Minnesota at about 2 p.m. Central time is when we're going to be going live with this thing. And like all things, uh, it is an experiment. Uh, and like all experiments, it'll probably have consequences, both uh, good and bad. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We're going to have some great guests lined up. And it'll just be a fun way to uh, really kind of kick off our race weekend and to bring this insider podcast format to a a live arena that we haven't experimented with yet. So put that on your calendar. If you're going to be around, you can flip on. You can watch on your smartphone, wherever. Uh, If you follow any tray on those various different uh, channels, you can watch us there. And again, more details to come if you watched our television show on Sunday, you know that it was um, it was an opus, uh, seven hours of programming for the NHRA. First hour and a half of it um, was, let's see, our kind of rain show, and then it was, uh, uh, well, I think there was a qualifying show. Then we came on the air and did our rain show for a little while. We knew the rain was going to abate at some point. And so as the end of that rain show came up, we then went into the NHRA and 30. Uh, they Walked Away that Chris Meadows has made. The award winning NHRA in 30, that our, our esteemed director, Chris Meadows, was in charge of in the offseason. Did a spectacular job. And it is, um, if you haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure you have, it is a fantastic show. He did a, did a really good job and, in fact, did win some awards for his handiwork. Then we came back on air and we were live, what we call live live for five and a half hours. And what live live means is when it comes out of my mouth or Tony's mouth, it, it hits your television screen or your smartphone screen, wherever you happen to be watching from. It is, in, in some ways, the most fun way to do this job. I, I think it's very fun in doses. Um, uh, in many, many of those doses are not five and a half hours worth. We had a blast and it was exhausting and it was great and um, our whole crew really did kind of like just everybody ratcheted up a notch and it is to me a a great um it was a great example that's a good word to use of how we can be flexible and how we can bounce around and how and how people are willing to just throw themselves into their work um gus and randy two guys whose names you might have heard me mention on the show but those are the two camera guys that you saw just absolutely crushing it out there randy was running around behind dallas glenn And to me, one of the neatest pit sequences I might have ever seen in drag racing where we do this interview with Dallas, he runs to the car, pops the clutch out of it, and we follow him with the camera. We run right behind him as he runs into the trailer to get the the floaters and stuff or the cutters, whatever they were, up there on the workbench. And uh, it was just wild. I mean, the amount of stuff we were able to show you with Amanda and Bruno around the pit area and all the different stuff we did, including showing you every elimination run End to end um, was just phenomenal, and of course, these are opportunities we don't often get to kind of show you the race in real time and in in real time pace as well. Uh, you know, obviously, we have a three hour window typically to broadcast our final show on Sunday, and that is a five hour race day that is brought into the three hour broadcast window. In this case, it was a five and a half hour race day that began at. I don't know, 3.30 or whatever the heck time it was in the afternoon. It got done well after 9 p.m. under the lights. I mean, there was a lot happening there. And there was a lot happening all weekend in Topeka with, um, you know, just the conditions that varied just so wildly from day to day, uh, great fields, great qualifying, everything about it was was kind of unique. Each day of that race kind of had its own feeling, as if each day was its own drag race and it's in and unto itself. So, uh, you know, the, the job that the TV crew did – just totally spectacular and and if you watch the show thank you if you dvr'd it um which a couple of people were like oh man i'm not gonna be able to watch the whole thing because of my dvr and then they went and flipped it on and went oh no it recorded for seven hours it's like yeah yeah you if you set it up right you got all seven hours of programming and um i'm actually i find myself i always watch the shows back and and try to look at things that we can i can improve on or things that i think we did well and I am uh, barely scratching the surface so far of this one, and I will have it watched by the time I get up to Brainerd. We get ready to fire up the machine again this weekend, but um, yeah, what a great thing, and and what a great uh, kind of treat for our fans that are able to experience it with us in real time. It's unique. It's a it's a great collective thing, and it was very cool. So. Uh, hopefully you saw it. If you didn't see it, uh, it's on your DVR. And remember, 2 p.m. Central Time this Friday, we'll be going live. The NHRA Insider from the pits in Brainerd, which is going to be cool. Uh, I'm going to stop babbling now, and I'm going to bring on Tony Pedragon. When we come back, take a quick break right here. We'll be right back on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. And when we return, Tony Pedragon will be on the line. And we are back here on the NHRA Insider Podcast. Got Tony Pedregon on the line. Have you made a full recovery yet from our marathon Sunday?
1: My body is telling me yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'll find out later in the day. But, uh, you yeah, I know, think, I think part of it was, you know, it was such a long day. I know the production crew, even the drivers. I mean, everyone got there early because NHRA bumped the schedule up. Yeah. Even though the forecast said rain in the morning. But, you know, I think it was a good move because you can never trust the weather 100%. Yeah. Uh, you'll get there early in the event that there was any window. And I just still find it amazing that we were able to get the whole, the entire race in.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there was it was, it looked absolutely, I mean, futile at some points during the morning. <laughs> it was like, what are we even doing here? And then. I mean, for us to be able to have – and then it was one of those things, too. To me, it's like once we got the first round in, it's like, okay, well, at least we got something done. And then next, lo and behold, we're, you know, what, four and a half, five hours later, we get the final rounds up there. It was wild.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think people realize I, – I know what it takes for the teams to, you know, do what they do. It's a lot of work. You know, we hear the, the crew chiefs and the, you know, and the tuners or rather the drivers, they mention it all the time. We realize that. Um, but you know, the, on the, the flip side of that is the, the TV production, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we're pretty stable with what we do. We know, and there's so many things that are going on, but just to watch the chaos and everything around us, you know, it, it has a tendency to kind of make you want to buckle a little bit, but it's like, no, Hey, we're going to get this done. So I kind of take the same approach that I took when I was racing. It's like, you know, whatever happens is going to happen. And when it's time to go racing, we'll start talking.
0: Yeah, and, and that's exactly what we did. And I think the fans got a really – they got a hell of a unique show. I mean, to be able to sit there and and basically own the uh, FS1 channel for about nine hours was <laughs> – it's not not a normal scene for us, which was great. But um, let's just kind of dive right into it, and I, I want to start with pro stock because, you know, Eric is 52 points out of second right now. You know, I, I don't know other, any other way to say it. It's just like it's it's here she comes, and I don't know – I don't know if she's going to be stopped. She's not going to get to Dallas, I would assume. I mean, if if miracles happen, you got points and a half at Indy. Something crazy could happen there. But is she not in second place for the countdown when we start this thing? Is she not?
1: Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it. Hey, Pro Stock, in my opinion, was overshadowed by what happened in Funny Car and Top Fuel. Yeah. And when you look at the end result, it's like okay, you know, ho hum. It's the same result. It's Erica beating Greg. Erica beating Dallas Glenn on a whole shot. So I mean the way I look at it is the question has to be asked to, you know, the Matt Hartfords, the Kramers, the Dallas Glens, the Greg Anderson. You know, it's like, hey, they, they're they're the ones with the, the you know, with the uh, burden on their yeah. shoulders. Anybody's gonna be able to beat her. And um, you know, I I think that's gonna be the you know, the the million dollar question right there. I, I just you know they come up short. She gets the better of them the majority of the time. She can be beat once in a while. And she's got her car back and you know, she's doing her business and you know, I, I mean that's what I'm that's what interests me. It's like, you know, there's whole shots going on all over the place. You know, to, to have a good reaction time in a pro stock is easier than having a good reaction time in top fuel in a funny car. I mean, you look at the physics of the yeah, car, the, the, the level of yeah. power and the weight and just how the car reacts and responds and you know i just when i see 40 and 50 reaction times in pro stock you know that that factors out to you know a a disappointing reaction time in top fuel or funny car so um you know to be competitive they have to know you guys have to be you have to push the edge you have to you have to be in the single digits Double digits, and you know, if you're if you're anywhere in the thirty range, you're you know you're asking for it. So, you know, it's just the end result was what we've seen so many times.
0: Yeah, I just to me, it's going to be it's it's like to me this coming weekend in Brainerd is just going to be the This is this is the test, and the test not for Erica, she's passed the test a billion times. It's the test for Derek Kramer, for Troy Coughlin Jr. For Matt Hartford, maybe a little bit less so than Dallas Glenn. But Hartford, Coughlin, Kramer, those are the three cars that stand between her and second place. And I, 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 she is in a unique position right now that we haven't seen her in in years, which is she still gets to play a little bit of the underdog in her own mind. Whether it's accurate or not, like anything in sports, whether she actually is the underdog is is irrelevant. But if you get to put yourself in that space and you're her – it's very empowering, I think. I think because of the expectations, you know, when you're leading the points like Dallas is, there's a different expectation. When you're number five and can move up in these last two races, that sounds like a lot more fun place to be than than looking back over your shoulder.
1: Yeah, and I think overall, you know, she, she has a car, rather everyone else has a car that can compete with her. And it's like if there was any excuse that they could ever have, it's like, well, her car is two to three hundredths of a second quicker. Well, now it's not, and now it's, there's not just, it's not just Dallas Glen, but there's a handful of drivers that, you know, that have a car that's as good enough as her, but they're dropping the ball. Now that's just one race, you know, they're, but you know, the pattern is there. You yeah, cannot the pattern's deny there. that yeah. Yeah. racers. Some of them are good when the chips are down and and we give them a lot of credit, but you know, when the chips are down, they're red lighting, they're getting whole shotted. So I, it's like, when's it going to end? And it may not end. She may get the best of them, but. I'll tell you this: they have a car that is as good as hers. They can beat her if they're good enough.
0: Yeah, and and it's one thing to have a, a car that's equivalent to hers. It's it's the the next level thing is having a brain, a racing brain that's equivalent to hers. And right now, you know, she's she's again in that in that space. And and Dallas's loss to her wasn't ugly. You know, it was it wasn't like he was one twenty or something on the tree. But it's just it's it's what it takes to win against her in these situations is being virtually perfect, which he can be. We've seen it. And um, that is that is going to be the tail of the tape. And, you know, Brainerd has not had pro stock in a couple of years, so it's been a little while since those cars have been up there. Great to have him back, and uh, I know the fans are going to enjoy it. As we transition to Nitro Funny Car, you know, we were we were filling a lot of time on the air, and one of the questions I asked you before the final was, when a crew chief sets his car up in, in this situation, do you race the person for what they have done or what they might do? and i just happened to bring up the number 388 and then freaking Tasca goes out there and runs 388. I, I was not trying to make a <laughs> prediction, but damn, that was that was an enormous run for that team.
1: It, it was. I mean, that was that was uh, you know, that was the full send moment of the race there if uh, if you will. And you know, you really it, as big of a surprise as it was. I think it was more of a surprise that You know that the cars were really running in a range but but that's hey you you set the car up according to what the conditions and what you feel the conditions will give you and and i think i have a pretty good idea of you know looking back at how you know how hagan's team approached that and how, how how bob's team approached that um you know and i think there's no question the conditions got better some of the humidity uh dissipated but the the track got a lot better And, you know, the approach that you take is you have to look at the conditions and you're in the final round. And I think it was interesting that Alan Johnson mentioned it in the first round and he really summed it up exactly the way that these tuners approach a race. It's like, okay, what do we do? Do we, you know, we know how to get this car to run quick. Will the conditions take it? Will the track take it? I can do this, 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 and this to get it to run in that range. Um, do you do that? Run the risk of getting the tires loose. And the flip side of that is, you know, do we do we want to run in this range and do this and this and this according to what the conditions are saying yeah. and we play it safe and then do we run the risk of getting outrun? So, you know, which is the left of the two evils? But that is it's the tuner that gets it right, that gets to enjoy, you know, the champagne or the beer, whatever whatever their choice is. And they do get to enjoy it for a few days, and and I, I I'm sure that you and I feel the same way. That was an absolutely epic run. That is what we expected from that track, from that final round, and from the angle that you and I were watching it, and and I think most people saw that same angle. You know, we could we could see that. You know, of course, Matt had a good reaction time. I didn't realize at the time because it happened so fast that. That he deep staged, he knocked the yeah. top light out. Whether it was intentional or not, I know he said there was an issue with the brakes. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes the driver is going to roll the car and more. They're going to try to yeah. shorten the track. They, they don't. They don't want to get embarrassed. They're going to do whatever they can to get to the finish line. I've I've always been all for that. So, so that is not that really doesn't have a lot of relevance. I think it was a pretty close start. But what amazed me was the fact that. At about three or four hundred feet, for a second I thought, "Is that the camera angle?" Right. Because it hasn't been doing that. It hasn't given us that illusion all weekend, and it wasn't the camera angle. Taz's uh, car just just pulled away, almost like like Hagen's car was sitting on jacks. But it just is such an exciting race, uh, an impressive run, and I think you know the fact that it was under the lights. I mean, that's I, yes. I I think you can learn a lot of things from from you know the the unpredictable circumstances and hey maybe that showed everybody that you know having that final or the semi close to being under the lights maybe you know maybe this is a is a little prelude to or a hint of maybe we should try this on a saturday evening sometime
0: yeah i mean uh, nothing about that other than the fact that it was not planned to be this way nothing about it was bad I mean, not a damn thing, and and even the fact that the you know the the finals being run basically out of order because we ran the the top fuel final first and funny car and then the pro stock cars were the were the last two things down the racetrack and that was simply done because it was when people got finished with their work and into the lanes because. You know, I think we we probably made the point more than enough on the show, but we were under the gun all day. Like we had those couple of interruptions where the sprinkles came in. So even up until the last set of cars going down the racetrack, we had no clue whether we were going to get another ten minutes away from the weather. So yeah, I. I it was it was incredibly chaotic and fun um it was exhausting and everything but man it was it was great it, we look at Matt Hagan in, in the points now he's got 1013 to caps is 952 so you know 61 up on on Ron which isn't a whole lot but for Bob Tasca you know Bob's one of those guys like Eric is right now where a good weekend can move him from fifth and he can really challenge. He can put himself basically right up on Cap's bumper here if the right things happen for him to get around Chad Green and Robert height this weekend. And I know coming into the season, you know, a lot of positivity in that team. A lot of you know, we got this new, these new guys are going to work together. But this has to be even perhaps even a little bit better than Bob expected it to be at this point.
1: Yeah, well, I think the other thing that is just as impressive as the performance of the car in the final, and and you know me, I'm I'm a I'm a skeptic. I, I I'd rather see the proof. I'd rather see it in front of us, not not just for one race, but yeah. you have to be able to rise to the occasion over and over and over again. That's what it's going to take in that six race stretch. And you know, I know a lot of drivers, they and teams, they're saying, hey, there's going to be a reset, you know, and that's something. It could be a, a little bit of a you know a, a, a mirage you know that it's it's like well you still have the car that you have you still lack the consistency that you lack and you while well, you're still not amongst that you know the quickest five drivers and you know your car controls this and that I don't think that's going to change for a lot of drivers but I think what it really impressed me about Tasca, uh, when you look at his opponents that he beat he took out Robert Height he beat Matt Hagan, uh, Blake Alexander, that wasn't an easy first round. The last time we yeah. saw the two races in the first round, uh, Blake Alexander won. And, you know, and Alexis. I mean, those were all tough races. But the fact that he went toe-to-toe with Robert when the chips were down in the late rounds, when he beat Matt Hagan in the final toe-to-toe, that, to me, shows that this guy is is positioned. He is mentally prepared for a run at the championship and they all talk about it but but when i see that kind of performance it's like <laughs> i think this guy's ready so um I, I, I think that does a lot of things i think the performance spends a ripple you know through through the class yeah it, and it's a lot like what cruises car did at the at the end of the season i think a lot of teams came out trying to run hard and they just weren't hitting it and of course they weren't able to really back it up either not yet but I think that's what that kind of performance does. It tells the competition, you know, that Caps and, and that Napa team and J.R. Todd. It's like, hey, we thought we were doing good up until up until that final round, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure that that Dickey uh, is thinking the same thing, and Hagen's thinking the same thing. It's like, well, we don't want that to happen again. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I I think so many things are, are going to benefit. Um, Past his team because of that win,
0: and and to your first point that you made regarding the you know the people that talk about the points reset and you know it's like to me that is the greatest loser mentality ever. Anybody <laughs> and this may sit this may not sit well with people, but I'm just going to throw it out there that it is an an absolute example of a loser freaking mentality. If you're going to say well you know hey the points get reset but nothing else gets reset. Your tune-up doesn't, tune doesn't get reset. Your ability to leave the starting line doesn't get reset. Your, your ability to get your ass kicked early on every Sunday doesn't get reset. So, yeah, the points get reset. The number next to your name changes, but nothing else changes. So for people to use that as a crutch and to say that, oh, and the other one that is just mind-boggling to me is just wait till the countdown starts. Yeah, yeah, I am going to just wait yeah. till the countdown starts because if you suck now, you're probably going to suck in a month. That's it. Yeah, right.
1: you're out, you're out of touch with reality when that happens. And look, that that gives positive thinking a, a whole new meaning. Right. It's like it's, it's called right. uh, it's delusion. It's delusion. Yes. It's delusion is a grandeur, right? And it, you know, for somebody that um, that are acting on it, that are that are changing yeah. something. Yes. Uh, some of the formula, um, you know, some of the shuffle some people around. You know, sometimes you got to just make a change for the sake. You may not know why, but you. Deep down inside, you know something needs to change, and that's what you have to do. And I, I think, I think, I still think the potential's there in all the classes for you know for this conversation at the end of the year to be talking about five or six drivers that have a chance that have a realistic chance, um, you know, of winning a championship in the last at the last race, and and that would be you know that would be a great conversation. Um, but I have a feeling, I have a feeling, it's you know. Like usual, some of these guys are going to take themselves out because of the way that they think and, you know, the way the car's performing and and the fact that they're, you know, I, they just, I think teams tend to get a little complacent and, and I've seen it. It's, it's more about them being friends, um, and, and liking is, is, is factoring in and Hey, I, I don't, I'm not saying anybody should lose their, lose their job, but but, again, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to default to look at the NFL, look at the NBA. Hey, when things aren't clicking, guys, you know, the team owners, they're changing. They're changing the formula. And, you know, I, I think that when we see more of that in this sport, and it's not just about, you know, the team owner is over there and somebody else is running the team, Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it shows, I'll just say that, I'll leave it at that, it yeah. shows on the read.
0: And look, and it's like any pro sport, you know, in the event somebody makes a coaching change, if it's if it's a coach that has a track record and a history, they get hired somewhere else. And it's just because it wasn't working in one place doesn't mean it's not going to work in another. But, yeah, I mean, those moves, you know, we're 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 venturing into the next, you know, let's not eh, probably a little bit after Indy is when those whispers really start to get loud on potential, you know, changes here and there, potential this, potential that. So that's that's always something we pay attention to. Beyond just the racing in the countdown. One last point in Funny Car. You know, Chad Green qualifies 10th. Has J.R. Todd in the first round. Loses in the first round. Um, it was It's rare to see that car go out early. But it's also rare to see that car put itself in a bad qualifying position like it did. Those guys just simply didn't have the answer for this racetrack this weekend. It'll be... You know, to me it's one of the stories to watch them bounce back. They've they've had a lot of weekends where they've been able to leave like pretty satisfied with a semifinal or a final round finish in Sonoma. They haven't had a lot where they've left in the first round as a as a guy that got bounced. So I'm interested to see how they're able to to rebound from that.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the interesting thing about that is I think what we've all been expecting to happen, I think it's gonna start happening, and I think it started to happen in the final round at Topeka. Um you know and and we're not we're not through hot days on the racetrack uh, i'm sure we're going to see 130 degrees some more this year but you know we're starting to enter a different phase a different time of year things are going to start to cool off at some point point. and you know if you look at the range the average that these cars have been running in funny car you know 398 is pretty good 397 you're going to get to the semifinals. you might win a race and i i, I think it's going to change yeah I think, I think Tasca, Aaron Brooks, Todd Okahara, I think they just showed everyone, guys, uh, you know, the, the leaves are going to start to fall. <laughs> and what that means is the elapsed times are going to start to fall. They're going to get quicker. So now if you had a good car that was, that was good, you know, on marginal tracks and, and when, you know, there was temperature and you could run, you could bang out at 395, 396, 397 all day. Here comes the tricky part now you're gonna to have to try to figure out how to run the 80s i'm not saying yeah. they can't because you but know they're gonna Tim yeah 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 i mean he's there he knows how to do it he knows what to do with the car but i think that it's going to be important for them to be able to turn the corner when they ran 392 that was an impressive run yeah that was in a range where there was only two or three cars that were just as quick or quicker than that 392 run for chad green so i think they can do it but you know, the test for that team still, it still lies ahead because now you're going to have, you, we I think we've established the top five. Okay. We knew it was caps. We knew Hagen and Robert Hite. Yeah. Now it's Tasca, And I think J.R. Todd rounds out that top five and yeah. you know, who can, who can come in after that is, you know, is by some miracle is, is our, is Cruz's team going to throw a Hail Mary? They're going to get it together. Doesn't seem like it, but that could happen. Is it, um, you know, is it Wilkerson? Wilkerson's hit or miss. Not only do you have to compete with their performance, you have to be able to compete as a driver. One one little shot here and there. I don't think that's going to do the trick. I'm okay with anyone proving me wrong. I'll, you know, us, Brian, we'll yep. give them credit. And you know, Lexus, I think she rebounded good. But you know, you're, you're giving away performance when you give away. A starting line advantage.
0: Yeah, and, and when you're true- giving away an average, you know on average it's 200s. Unfortunately, uh, for for those guys, they're, they're 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 basically spotting their opponents. They're making it to the end of the racetrack. Hence, why they're sixth in the points, and you know only eight out of really they're only twenty points out of fourth. But as you as we're talking about, like as that as things need to rise to the occasion, whether it's the performance of the car or the driver at this time of the year, something. You know just to say it to say it something needs to change there with the starting line performance to make them a viable contender that's it that's two just three hundred
1: on the starting line is yeah. two to three hundredths on the track it's yeah. as simple as that so yeah. it, I think I think it's gonna be good I think that somebody's someone could flash up in there and, and join that mix but but right now there's we know it's gonna be five
0: so in top fuel I was thinking about this on the plane ride home yesterday to me, uh, Justin Ashley and the Phillips Connect team, like, turned a corner. Not that they, they've been running great, but they turned a corner for the way I look at them with the win in Topeka. In that, they have entered this space that the last time we saw anybody in this space was Steve Torrance a few years ago, which is when we roll into the racetrack, I'm not putting them in a they can contend for the victory. I'm not looking at that car expecting them to win races. This six on the year, highly impressive and I don't know why I shouldn't be looking at that thing when we get to Brainerd thinking this car is gonna win the race. Who's gonna stop them?
1: When when they're doing what they have done for six races, nobody. And I mean no one. Yeah. And and, and I, I think I think there's a couple of things that are very impressive about the team and, and and what we have seen at this stage. Yes, now they can go the distance. We know that. I think that was really the The question now: Can they do it in the final six races? That's the only. That's the only thing that really hasn't been answered. That's what we're going to be watching for. But they're competing. They're as impressive as any driver. And when you go back to the different eras, you can go back to the Steve Torrance era, and before that, you can go back to you know there wasn't really anyone that dominated. But you can look at all of the top, the past top fuel winners, and I think that this team is is just as impressive if not more, and they're doing it in an era where, you know, and I don't think anyone would be able to argue with the level of competition. Right.
0: No, it's insane. So,
1: so he dominates on the starting line. He, he's got pretty good car control. I think there's a couple of drivers when a car gets loose that are better. Sure. But, you know, he's still learning, and, you know, that's good when he's not in a position to have to save the car a lot. You know, that makes some drivers good. Some some of these cars smoke the tires so dang much, the driver gets <laughs> right. plenty of practice. Right? <laughs> There's a reason for that. Some of these funny car drivers that are old school, that are so good, it, you know, look at Force. I mean, he yeah. is good at what he does because this guy was, when when other drivers were sleeping and they were fishing and they were playing with their dog, this guy was match racing yeah. on tracks that aren't weren't the caliber of what we're seeing, and that's how he became so good. So I think that... Um, While Justin is, is, is better than anyone else. I, you know, I think there's a couple of categories that, you know, that he can improve on and, and that'll happen. But, you know, I think they've proved everyone six races. That's not easy to do. And the way that they've done it is pretty impressive. And, you know, it's like, they're not, you know, they're not really outperforming everyone, but again, it's going to come down to the driver. The car is good. The driver is very good. And when you combine the two, you know, 370 to 370 in the final, you're going to win those races.
0: And I think, to me, the best thing that's, hap- that's existed for that team this year is the fact that Steve Torrance is still, despite the fact they've won six freaking races, Steve Torrance is still only 83 points back. So Torrance has existed in that spot. And, and, again, Steve did have the points lead for a short period of time there when he won Seattle. But the fact that they've actually had a, a sparring partner, so to speak, and, and honestly, if we look at the two of them pound for pound, there's no way you can tell me that Ashley is not the better the better package right now, not just as a driver, but as a whole entire team package. You can't tell me that they're, they're not the best team out there. But for Torrance's team, the fact that they've at least kept them within striking distance has obviously been good for them. But for Justin Ashley, it's not allowed those guys to get overly comfortable, which is probably why they are still as good as they are and they have been since the beginning of the year.
1: Well, I would check Ashton, uh, Justin Ashley. I would check him on every box, but there's one box that I'm going to put a check mark in Steve Torrance's box, and that car may be a little more consistent. The performance of the cars, um, they may be equal. Um, you know, the the quick elapsed times, the top speeds, everything they do. The the team, the efficiency everything in every category, but but the fact that Steve Torrance is it probably gets the tires loose a little less, and and uh, so he's got that going for him. Now, you know, if we go back to when Steve won his championships, and this is why this is why I'm not going to jump off that that train yet because he can be there. And I, when I say demons, I don't really mean demons. Right. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in right. any of that. But but I'll use that term because we all have things that when we try to find the the peak and and the the absolute best place where we perform, and that is on the starting line that, you know, I think a lot of drivers start to think, well, it's everything before. And that's a big part of it. I You know, conditioning, training yourself, uh, making yourself sharp, uh, you know, getting rest, eating right, doing all the stuff. Hey, if breathing air is your thing, then suck it down. But... What it comes down to, to me, is your, your right place of mind when that car is rolling forward to pre stage. That's what it comes down to. Yes. Everything before that can help, but and the reason I say that is because I think that Steve can be a lot better than what he is right now. He realizes that, and it's frustrating for a driver, especially when you have a guy that's throwing dimes. That's that's Steph Curry. He's backing up beyond the three point line. And you know you try to block it. He just throws it up, and you think, ah, man, he's pretty far. Ah, he just nailed it. And I think that's what Steve is up against. I think he's up against uh, a very impressive talent. Uh, he's got youth, uh, but hey, Steve's a champion. You can't take that away from him. But I think he has a car. You know, we talked about Pro Stock, how close it is. Steve Torrance is in a position that he can still win. And we haven't even seen the best of him. He's still there. I mean, they keep firing shots at this guy, and he keeps, you know, it's like when Clint would put that steel plate on his chest. It <laughs> yes. fall down, and the guy thought, all right, I got him. No, he's getting back <laughs> up. So as long as as long as it's Steve Torrance, he has that car, he's going to be there. And and I think I really do think it's going to come down to, to Justin and Steve. And, you know, maybe Brittany, if they can get some consistency back, because the one thing that I've noticed about her, is, is she may not? You look at her average, and she really she's she's not in the category of of Justin Ashley or or an Austin Pock, but but she seems to be better when when she has a, a threat. Yes. And, yes. You know, and there she's made big improvements. If she can continue to do that, I, I think she can be right in that mix.
0: And so, last two last two names I want to talk about here, and before we get done with this whole uh, this whole operation, Selena and Hart like we we talk about slumps, we talk about, you know, rough patches in the road. It's like both of these guys are kind of on an extended version of that discussion. They're they're both way better cars, at least in my opinion. Like it's bizarre to see them in the 8th and ninth spot. Now you go back and look at the results, you understand why they're there, but it's it's been tough sledding for both of those teams. And and really for Josh Hart, the year started with so much promise. He wins the callout at at Gainesville and then it really hasn't been a whole lot to talk about since.
1: Yeah, one of those drivers that are hitting their marks. And and I think there's a little sense of urgency. And I, I think, you know, sometimes drivers get so good because they have to. They know that their car is a little behind, it's a little deficient. So you know you gotta start throwing some quick reaction times out there like like Josh Hart's doing. And however he does it, doesn't matter. That guy right there is getting off the mark. Yeah. I think he's a pretty good driver. It's like, what happened to the car? I don't know. The other one will tell you they're testing, and I, you know me. I don't yeah. buy that. If, yeah. if you can't see your testing when your car runs good and, and and as an excuse to go back. Now, they might be trying some different combinations, but everybody does that. Everybody does that to get to, to the U.S. Nationals and to get to Reading. Um, so subtle changes in the tune-up and on the car, that's, that's technically not testing, but I just, you know, I think those two teams have to – have to look and uh, look at their performance and say, "Look, do we want to be spoilers because they can be good? I mean, it's no surprise if either of those teams or those drivers end up in the winter circle, but do they do that because because Justin Ashley smoked the tires, which is not often, or is it because you know Steve Torrance's car um, you know, a, a lo- dropped a cylinder right. at the eighth mile? It, it, that's why they're going to get there. They right now they just don't." They don't have the same car. They don't have the same performance that they had a year ago. And, you know, we thought things would be better for both of them. And, you know, I think I think to some degree, and this is no insult because the numbers can back this up. I think Mike Salinas overachieved. But what if, if it was a conversation with Jose Gonzalez, yeah. I would have that guy on the phone.
0: <laughs> and record it. Right and re- now. And play it back on loop. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And whatever you're testing, I would go back to what won those, those five or six races for Selena. It's like whoever decided to test at this stage, I think it's safe to say, guys, it's a bad idea. Let's yeah. just get the car we had last year, if in fact you're testing. And that is what he said. So Yeah, and look, test- I, I
0: I think we've seen... To me, like we take that testing discussion, we've seen that, and we saw it. We saw it come to fruition with J.R. Todd. We saw their period of of adjustment, their new tune-up period. It took them a while, but whammo! Look at them now. You know they're going rounds. They're they've they've won a race. They're doing the right things. Br- Steve Torrance or Brittany Force. You know they're both in have been in this new new combination whatever mode. Torrance is still eighty three points back performance wise. We've seen the we started to see the light there, and and for Brittany the car is at least still capable of going rounds week to week. It's not the intimidation machine that it has been the last couple of seasons, but it's also not deficient in performance. It just isn't as consistent as they'd like it to be. Um, there's a reason they're third in the points. So, yeah, I, that that testing discussion holds water only when there's an end result that is positive. Otherwise, it's, it's just words, you know, and, and I feel I agree with you. Unfortunately, at this point, it's like, it's suicidal. You're going to be testing. What What are we, you know, okay. You're going to go into indie and just try a bunch of new stuff at the U S nationals. I mean, I don't, I get it as an answer to a question, but I don't get it as, I don't get it as what are you, what are you really trying to say?
1: It, it, I think mostly it's a word that was made popular. Just like everyone took forth, they plagiarized his hot rod and and uh, you know candles everything that John said because that came from John and and his personality It's like everybody copied it and they're still using it and you know if they didn't know it's like guys We, we kind of noticed that that's that's not yours. I mean we how often do we hear that we hear it every weekend, you know to, to, Anyway, that's I think that's what's happening
0: so I think that kind of brings us to the end of the discussion here and, and, uh, we're both getting ready to, to shoot up to Brainerd here in the next day or two. Uh, we're going to be live on Friday. I mentioned at the top of the show, do a little NHRA insider live. We'll, we'll rope some guests in and, uh, and have a chat that people can watch on their, uh, streaming TV stuff that we do, like whether it's on Roku or Samsung or whatever, I think that's going to be pretty fun.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it's it, live. There's nothing like it, you know, there's nothing like real time. And, and, uh, you know i think that that's good leading up to the us nationals but you know after a weekend like we saw it, it i'm not going to say it's going to be hard to top that but i think i think they can top it you know we're going to the place where we saw the quickest runs in history in funny car and that was you know they had some different parts in the rev limiter and there's some, been some things that have slowed the cars down but just a little bit i mean it's still a good track and you know it's a great place with you know with fans that really enjoy racing and, um, you know, if I look back at, at Heartland park, that's probably the one thing because you, you and I, we don't get out that often, yeah. right, Brian. But yeah. when we go to do the open, we're on a golf cart and there was a little, you know, a little time. And I walked through the pits and it's like, they're really good people. I mean, we have great fans. Yeah. And when you see kids there and people that, you know, show you a picture, or, you know, from 10 or 15 years ago, and it's like, they're still there. And then their their sons there. I mean, that's a real good thing, but we have great fans in Brainerd and, um, I think we have that to look forward to, but but mostly it's like, what is the follow up for this going to be? You know, can yes, can tap to repeat? Is Justin is he going to keep that stranglehold on everyone? And, you know, of course, pro stock? It's like, come on, guys, it's there. Who wants it?
0: yeah, well, I think I think I know one person that wants it, and she just kicked everybody's ass a couple of days ago, so <laughs>
1: Well, you got to take it from her.
0: That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. The, you know, and, and you had your time when she was down there in the wall and around in the 12th to 14th position in the points, and and those days are over. So, yeah, we'll find out exactly how everybody reacts to that. But, uh, hey, man, yeah, I'll see you up in the woods there in Brainerd. Um, if, if it runs late, it's one thing to run late into peak on Sunday. It's about an hour back to, the, to Kansas City where we stay by the airport. You actually, you're a lunatic. You drove home all night. But if we run late up, in, if we run late up in Brainerd, it's a couple of hours. Uh, it's a couple of hours back to civilization there. So this this could get interesting.
1: <laughs> no one can hear you scream at Topeka. <laughs> a bear might be able to he- uh, hear you scream in Brainerd. But we're gonna we're gonna transition from Mexican food. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna turn on the fish knob. <laughs> all right,
0: you heard it here first. It's gonna be all all fish all weekend long. Thanks, Tony. I will see you in just a couple days. And for those of you listening, stick around. I'll be right back with some final thoughts. And some final thoughts here in this episode of the NHRA Insider as we are closed up for shop here. Going to be heading up to Brainerd, Minnesota, the lead-up race to the U.S. Nationals, but a great event in and of itself. That's one of the things that's always been a hallmark of Brainerd. It has, throughout its whole history, effectively fallen just before Indy. And so it is a place where not only do we expect big performances because of the quality of the surface, the location of the racetrack, but it is also a place where on Monday a lot of testing happens. Pretty much every major league team stays over uh, and tests on Monday at Brainerd as a setup for the U.S. Nationals. Then there is typically a uh, indie test as well. So if there's any sort of experimentation that uh, is want to happen by some of these teams, we may end up seeing the last vestiges of it. Uh, over the course of the next week and a half or so. Um, There is uh, obviously a week off before Indy. Everybody gets prepared, loads the uh, war wagons up, and gets ready to roll. But it is going to be a great weekend in Brainerd. Remember to tune in 2 p.m. Central Time on Friday. You can watch us. I believe we're going to be on the Samsung uh, TV app. We should be on uh, Tubi. We should be on Roku. We should be really... um, plex we should be pretty much across a load of different platforms with this live insider and hey listen it's the first shot we're doing this so it's going to be kind of the uh, the not ready for primetime players having some fun up there and it's going to be fast it's going to be loose and it's going to be a lot of fun and it will be a perfect way for you to get yourself in brainerd mode coming off of what was just simply an incredible race at topeka what is to become of Harlan motorsports park no one really knows at this point it is it is a great mystery Uh, It is one that I did not have any time to attempt to solve when I was out there, but, you know, there's rumor that the track will have a schedule next year uh, and will be operating. Uh, There's rumor a bunch of different directions. They've done some remodeling and kind of construction work in the tower that seems like it would not be a place that anybody's going to be shutting down anytime soon. The infrastructure there is all good. I... I just wish anybody had a really solid idea of what was going to happen with that place next year, and like the rest of you, I'll be watching. Hopefully, it remains open. The construction is moving along at Flying H Drag Strip, where the NHRA has announced that uh, they will contest uh, an event next year, which is about a 120-mile drive, I guess we'd call it. It's about 90, apparently, to Kansas City, and then this place is about 30 east of that. So, um, I I don't know. I've had a lot of questions, and I don't know the answer. So like you, I will be a curious observer to the future of Heartland Motorsports Park. On that note, I know we're going to one place that has been around a long, long time. It was Donnybrook International Raceway when it opened in the 60s. Brainerd International Raceway now. It is a road course, it is a drag strip, and it will be, once again, the central hub of the Lucas Oil Nationals this coming weekend. Tune in, watch us all weekend long on FS1 and on Sunday on your local Fox affiliate. Our eliminations will be on the Fox Broadcast Network. Make sure you tune in and check us out there. It's pro stock. It's top fuel and its funny car as a concentration. We'll bring you pro mod coverage as well. It's going to be great. As always, thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider. Thanks to Tony Pedregon for coming on the show. And we'll be back to see you Friday, 2 p.m. Central, live from the pits in Brainerd.